What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by veteran fighter, coach, and now coach on the Octagon Challenge, Paddy Hoolan. Paddy, thank you very much for joining me. I think it's the first time I've ever interviewed, interviewed you. I think I might have asked you a couple of questions at a press conference once upon a time, but it's great to finally sit down and have a chat with you. How are you today? Oh, good. Definitely know the name for sure. Is there four time, really? I think I think yeah, it might be. I think I think it might be. Yeah. So. One shot dodging each other in the in the in the old, um, in the river. We must be dodging each other. So yeah. um, it's good. It's good to be now each other. Very good. I remember we uh, we sat alongside each other at a Cage Legacy once, where it was an absolutely mad card, and the two of us were kind of jumping around. <laughs> so that, that, was a, that was the closest we got to it. I think, but uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Like as well here it was uh, really cool yeah it's brilliant to sit down and do it come here I'm going to ask you about the octagon because we're at the time of recording we're four episodes in I've caught the four episodes and you know what sometimes you watch those sort of shows and you're expecting it to be the ultimate fighter or a similar thing we've seen shows before but it's it's similar but different isn't it I, I've really enjoyed it so far as someone who's been part of it and now watched the episodes what are your thoughts I suppose first of all on the episodes that have happened so far yeah, to be honest, I'm the same. I think it's, I didn't know what to really expect. Um, and when we were out there, it was trying not to kind of like um, see how it would come across and just kind of like naturally let it be be caught the way it was. And um, my, my own partner, Chelsea, basically sitting watching it with me is like, I need to watch the next one now, you know? So um, I'm actually going to be a little bit nervous, I think, watching it just playing back. You just, how, how the edit comes across or, or whatever which way, you know? So um yeah, so but all four episodes at the end of being like, do you know what? That was actually really good. And the guys came across really well as well, which was brilliant. I really do think to have edited it well, to have the end of the episode really kind of catfish you into watching the next one nearly. Because yeah. we, uh, <laughs> we continued, exactly. I would just to go back a little bit, how did you become part of this? Who kind of got you into it? And how did you end up the, the coach of the Ireland team? Um, I just kind of got a, te- I think I got a text message off Brian Lacey. Um, I think I got one off um, Jake, the, the comedian guy as well. Um, and I just we had a conversation about it. Um, had to work out some logistics, obviously, with, with, with council meetings and, and going to Slovakia for a month. But uh, yeah, so we just shipped up the whole clan Hulahan and, and we bounced over to Slovakia for a month and... Uh, had a great experience. It was great to be actually kind of like dealing with guys who are not um not all my guys at that time or, or girls here basically. So it was great to be able to kind of do some of the use some of the stuff that we use here and um, coaching methods and and ideas and 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 to be alongside Shem and bounce some of the ideas off himself as well. So it was a it was a great opportunity for that. And then and then obviously getting away to Slovakia for a month was was pretty cool. It's probably not a place I would have been without um. Without, without MMA, like a lot of other places in the world that I've been. What, what is Slovakia like? It comes across as a really nice country on the episode so far. For someone who was there for a month, what was it like? Oh, it was it was it's beautiful, really beautiful. Um, and there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of history, you know. I mean, it's a lot of political history as well, um, and a lot of kind of like um, really good things that I would be interested in. There was a little a little barman there basically who was really up to politics and and he, he actually knew a lot about Irish politics and he was telling me kind of stuff and I actually learned an awful lot from that man do you know what I mean we'd be sitting there um, and maybe sipping on a point on the weekend we were getting through them and he, he'd be sitting down he'd sit at my table and, and tell me the conversations but, and then the landscape um, so because it's so close to Hungary where we were so um, I remember one morning driving down to the way the way cut and it was like 6am half five, 6am I'm driving along and I'm driving through like 
like poppy fields and lavender and like the windows are down in the car. And I'm telling you, it's just, it, it was in a moment that I was like, you know what? I am just grateful to be alive here and just doing what I'm doing. Um, you can smell it, you can nearly taste it, you know? And uh, and when you, you think of poems of in history, the, the, how this must have looked for people who came to these places who never... Um, who, who who were never supposed to be there, you know, or um, or uh, you you know, conflict or anything like this. It's uh, such a beautiful place, and to, to hear of some of the stuff that has happened there, it's uh, it's hard to imagine. There was a bit of conflict over there in the house as well. To, to, to draw a bit of a comparison, and uh, I think Dennis was kind of leading a lot of it. What, what was he like to work as a, a, a you know work, work with as a coach? I know we've obviously covered a few of Dennis fights and stuff on, on Severe Man. He's obviously a talented guy, but in interviews and stuff, I think people kind of knew what he was going to be like. But he must have been a bit of a challenge for you to, to work with for a while, I suppose, to to keep him on the straight and narrow. But no, he's actually a pleasure, to be honest. Um, Dennis is a very intelligent guy, you know, same idea with like kind of like, um, I don't know, with business and, and politics. And, and he has an interest in that kind of stuff, you know, so he had some kind of interesting conversations. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an absolute pleasure to work with. Listen, very coachable as well um, in that way. And and I think even if you watch his fight, you can hear, you can see maybe in the fourth round, he's a little bit, and I'm, he's looking away and I'm like, stop, you know, just focus, focus. And then the second round, he kind of, you can he picks up a lot of what, what myself and Shem were saying and and he implements it. There's even at one time where I think I kind of like seen um, Hassan's eyes and he just had that like kind of like, like I'm done looking his eyes and I scream at Dennis like separate and strike <laughs> and he just separates and boom, boom, boom and, and he drops him and then yeah, it's, it was it's just one of them moments where as you were saying like a cage legacy it just grabs you the energy you know and just yeah, it was pretty spectacular for them. I'd say his back is sore because he's carrying a lot of the banter in that house. That's why she ordered yeah, it. 100%. But one thing that really came across me, and I'm glad you said it there about the cornering, I think in one of the first fights, I there was about four people just roaring all at the same time. And by the, the last couple of fights, it was different. It was more your voice, maybe shame kind of coming in in the background as well. And you could see it in that Dennis fight. In the first two fights, it, it'd take you to say, Teep, 15 times before he actually teeped him but then by the end of it he was actually doing it and I suppose that's the reason but what did you acknowledge that as a problem because it looked to me like it was a problem early that there was too many people roaring and then later on in the show it was kind of just you and there was uh, you were you were the, obviously the lead voice with Shim behind you yeah well uh, like anything you know um, you got to kind of like change and, and tweak as you go along um, I think there's actually in one time you'll see you'll hear one of them fights where everyone is shouting and I literally so listen that stop for a second, at one time you hear it, because it can get like that, you know. Um, and that's that's not that's normal cornering as well. There's times of cornering with somebody and and they've been shouting over you, and you kind of have to look at them and be like, like, listen, it's not that I'm right or you're right. It's like, but there has to be one voice here. It's so hard to follow one voice, let alone following four erratic voices in there, you know. So it's um, and it can add a little bit to the chaos and the mayhem. So we think um. That's that's a lot of the of what coaching is and and leadership I think isn't it in a way of like being able to kind of nullify the problems and and get everyone to agree as well. It's not just like this is I what I think is a problem and this is what we're doing, you know. So um, at the time you say it to someone and they're kind of like, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I'm just excited, you know. So uh, yeah, we kind of got that down after a little while, and then especially in the second round with Dennis because. Um, Hassan was going to come to fight. Everybody comes to fight, you know, in a way. They've got hands, they've got legs, and they're going to swing them in your direction and try to take away your conscious, you know. So you've got to be on the ball. You've got to be focused. Um, 
and you cannot take anybody uh, for for granted in this sport. You know, it, that's when you de- that's when you, you get humbled. You know, and you deserve to get humbled. So, um, Dennis was way able to win that fight. We didn't want to give Hassan any chances. You know what I mean? So the idea was just listen, get these tools off, and Dennis knows. Dennis is a clever fighter. You know what I mean? In a way, and and in the minute he started finding the home for them shots, single shots, lots of fakes, um, bringing away, the, bringing out the takedown and, and defending it, and um, the fight was his. I love the way you corner as well is that everything you say is an attack. You know, it's what you know, Dennis got taken down on one's edge and you were like, look for the triangle, look for the triangle. On the fees, like, look for the deep, look for the next thing. Like some people and it maybe it's not necessarily wrong, maybe it's it's for each individual fighter, but it's like, you know, keep this position, settle in this position. And sometimes I know you you obviously have to do that. Is that your coaching style always or is that was that maybe specific to, to Dennis like that? It's Go for the finish, look for the finish, look for that big thing that's going to take the fight in your direction. Is that the way you kind of like to do it? Um, it's strategy. Every different fight is strategy, you know? And um, and if I think if you can't listen to your corner, you can get that good kind of relationship with your corner. It's like kind of you against them in a way, you know? And and your opponent's listening too, so you, you've got to factor that into the strategy. It's not like... Um, it's not like poker in a way, you know what I mean? Where you kind of like your, your strategy is unknown and, and their strategy is unknown and, and it's unknown. It's it's clear as day in front and it's whoever is implementing the strategy uh, as best. That's what I feel. So with that fight, the key was to keep Hassan working all of the time and make sure that he had to work all of the time because I knew there was going to point where he was going to dip basically. Um, so, so in them positions, I think it's just important that the, the person who is say Dennis's position, he was he was in good condition, fit, um, and the other guy were expecting him to dip, but you don't take any resting times because if you're taking resting times, they're taking it and, and kind of bank on the idea that the dip is going to come. Uh, when it comes, kind of like spurs you on because you're waiting for it as well. Um, so that was kind of the approach with, with the Dennis's fight. So now, I, don't, I think all fights are different. You know, Sometimes there might be a situation where... Um, the person is really good at jiu-jitsu and you need to close your guard, but you need to make sure you're scoring points. So you don't want to maybe attack in triangles all the time because the person might pass your guard or and then you're in a worse position. So it's it's easy to be able to, I won't say easy, but um, it's a lot more strategic to close your guard and, and if there, there's not elbows in that section of it, but to score points. Uh, and you can win points off your back, you know, not that you should be aiming to do that, but... Um, don't let down your defence by trying to go on the attack. There's a great saying there is, um, defence is the art of survival and attack is the chance to win. Um, and I think it's a great uh, policy for life in a way, you know? I like that. Love that. Oh, just on, on something you said there, jiu-jitsu has become like a big talking point recently in that there's less and less submissions at the top level, I suppose, all the time now. And I actually, I asked Mads Burnell about it there last week and he was like saying, modern jiu-jitsu just doesn't work for MMA, that it's it's gone too soft and they need to go back to the old kind of way of jiu-jitsu and that if we want to start finishing fights again with jiu-jitsu, that's the way to do it, a more attacking, uh, you know, go for the submissions type of thing. What's your opinion? As someone who's involved in jiu-jitsu and done jiu-jitsu matches yourself over the last few years, and is coaching at the very highest level. Where do you see jiu-jitsu in MMA at the moment? Um, I think a good thing I heard a while ago was that jiu-jitsu is, is, um, is a tool for fighting. So it's a skill for fighting in a way, basically. So you will get some guys who do MMA and have probably never competed in jiu-jitsu, but they will, ha- they will have to implement jiu-jitsu in probably the, 
the most stressful environment, which is with punches and elbows and, and different rules that are not inside the, the jiu-jitsu uh, center. Then you will get guys who compete at really, really high level in jiu-jitsu, but they probably never experienced that that really, like say, I don't know, someone like Gordon Ryan fighting maybe in an MMA fight. It, it, it changes. So um, there's, I don't think there's any right and wrong in it. Um, Chris Potter has a great saying, and it's street art and sport. Basically, sport being that the arena that you are entered into with the referee and the rules, and and that changes everything. So, um, you, you can't agree to the rules, and then and then and then kind of piss and moan about it. You know what I mean? In a way, so so if you were in MMA, you could get someone who's maybe like a really solid blue belt and half guard, and and is good at able to keep, to keep that posture and stay out submissions. Um, an MMA guard, I call it. Um, and they 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 could they could be someone who was a higher level jiu-jitsu ranking them um, by being able to it pour them out and punch them and, and stay still you know but then you get guys that have high level jiu-jitsu sometimes and maybe it could be based around spider guard and and and, and gear attacks and and maybe leg locks and stuff like and I'm not saying leg locks are not good for MMA but again you have to have specific strategy on it because if you look at um we go way back to a fight Matt Hamill or not Matt Hamill um. Hal Harris and Alan Belcher. Great for you. I don't know if anybody, if you've seen or check it out. Yeah. If you're, Alan if you're, Belcher if you're stopped an all of his attacks all the time, didn't he? All the leg locks. Really, really good breakdown of he actually got into the position, undid the positions, then started landing the shots and then Hal Harris's uh, thing kind of just fell apart. But uh, yeah, what a great sport. Is really, we, could, we could talk about this all day, you know, but um, jiu-jitsu will be my first love. I love uh, jiu-jitsu, but but I love fighting. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, it's very interesting because, like, I, I don't know if you saw the, like, the Gary Tonin Tan Lee fight over in one championship where, like, Gary Tonin was in on going for a leg lock. If he'd got it, he would have won the fight, but he got hit with a hammer fist and he loses the fight. So, you know, that that is just what you said there. One guy went on the attack and he got glory because of it. The other guy went on attack and he almost got glory because of it. But I suppose that's the way, uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. As you said, we, we could talk about that for about an hour. Maybe, maybe we'll do it another time. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about Shauna. And first of all, before we, we get to maybe Shauna specifically, for you to become the first person to both fight in UFC and coach in the UFC from Ireland. I suppose it's one of those things you almost don't think about until it happens. And then when you see the first person say it or see the first person tweet, it's like, geez, that's what an accomplishment that is. And it was even myself seeing, it, I was like, geez, that's, it's amazing. Cause I was looking at your record. And I think it's nine years ago today from one of your UFC fights. And it's, I think it's eight years ago this week from your, your last UFC fight. It, do, it doesn't seem like that far away, but still, that's a very quick time to turn around from being a UFC fighter to being a coach with a UFC fighter as well. When you saw that, that you were the first person, and when, you, when that was kind of acknowledged by people, I know you're a proud Irish man and, and a very uh, proud uh, mixed martial arts fighter representing Ireland as well, but to have that as a major accolade, that must have been absolutely brilliant to, to, to even think about, I suppose. Um, yeah, as like, like one of them things that kind of came that like as a coach you've got to be a little bit more and um, oh, I am in any way definitely more focused towards like it's it's about the fighter it's about their their, their journey and their next thing and, and obviously things like this are great and uh, and it does help on the journey to be able to say listen you're probably gonna feel like this you're probably gonna feel like that and to be someone I, I I'm fairly in touch with my kind of like um, emotional side on my um. My, my, my physical side as well, bringing the boat out together when you're walking out into an arena to fight somebody who's trying to you know, knock you out, you know, and and, and choke you. So um, it, it takes a certain type of mindset. So I think it maybe it does help um, to be able to 
share that with fighters, you know, but um, I've been coaching for many, many years. So um, all the way back into the team that I came up in, to me, I always considered it as an apprenticeship, you know, so um, I'm fairly, I'm fairly blessed um, to, to, to the team that I came up in and be surrounded by some of the people that I was surrounded by that are household names in the sport now, you know, and um I'm a, I'm a student every day. So from that time, I have been coaching. I have been guys like Dylan Took and, and, and then to Ashland Daly and, 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 and Richie Smullin. Just, I've done corners for all of them guys and, and I did it right then for the benefit of them. Um, but I learned in that process as well. So um, then opening the uh, Hulahan Martial Arts here now is... This was always a dream of mine to bring and make a community within my community, basically. Because um, what martial arts done for me is what I wanted to do for other, what I've seen it can do and what I wanted to do for other people is um, I've created this. Um, actually, the uh, coach Shem, basically, the, the assistant coach on, on Octagon with me, I had a little video out there. If you don't get to see it, you should see it. Um, it it's incredible. It's really inspiring. But he says something about it, basically. He kind of describes what I'm doing here and saying like this is what I want to do when he's finished and and it's it's great to see that because that's what we need we need really good male and female role models in our communities and and people who ain't who ain't swallowing bullshit you know what I mean and um just able to kind of see that the wood from the trees if you must you know and, and not be afraid to stand there and uh, and say what is so you know and um we need more of that in our community so that's what I'm proud to to, to be the head coach here and do that and then. And then to work with Shauna is a, she's an incredible human being. You know, she's so motivated. Um, MMA is still a different sport from what she would have been used to coming up all her life. So I think she's still making some transitions there, um, not just in the skill wise, but sometimes in the way of the way MMA is. Like <laughs> Shauna wants to fight every single weekend. <laughs> you know, so and she would too, twice on a, on a night, because that's what she's been doing for her whole life. So um one of the hardest things is trying to explain to her that like um, it is it is a little bit harder to get matched in MMA and you have to be a little bit more patient in what you're in, waiting on fights and stuff and uh, now that she's in the UFC I think a lot of the fights will be judged a little bit more on like um, um, where the show is going to be where the where the circus is in town that week you know like, so Manchester London Dublin of course you know so uh, depending on where the show is I think that that's when the, the, the shouts for fights and stuff like that's going to come and, and I'm looking forward to seeing her getting back in there and um, and uh, and writing our wrongs you know what I mean because uh, no better person I'll pop back to Sean in a second but I have to ask you about the gym because ever since you know the days of the, the 10,000 hours documentary that the Graham and the lads over in Severe made it uh, and you know to the work you've done in the community it's you've always been a community driven guy for you to have, say, someone in the UFC, obviously, as you have at the moment, but also a community-driven gym, that must be tough because, like, they're almost, it, it's almost the, an opposite that you need to be, you almost need to be selfish. You almost need to put everything into fighters that are going to reach the top level to reach the top level, yet you still want it to be a community gym. Plus, the pandemic just went where it was very tough. You know, people weren't allowed to go to the gym and all, and all of that. And I suppose maybe that politics thing is a, 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 a discussion for another day. But, like, the financial part, the, the, the physical part itself of actually doing it in the way you want to do it, have you found that an easy thing or have you found it a tough thing? Um, I'm so blessed to have such a great team here. That's 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 there's no secret in that, uh, Sean. You know, um, my partner Chelsea is a uh, is an incredible part of what I do as well. So a lot of this stuff through COVID and 
I don't know, again, figuring out how we were going to make it and all this kind of stuff would would, would have been down to, to, to Hoare helping me um, as well. So um, I definitely have to give credit to Hoare. And then, and then one of my uh, one of my, my best friends, basically, who I started on the same day is like the kids coordinator here in the gym. So we have a kids program, development program that goes from four years of age all the way up to 14 years of age. Then they pass over to the teens program, which is my own, basically. And and then the, the idea of that links into the adult um now I want to go to the UFC, basically. So I've had some kids here that are like, we were open six years. So if they started with me at 14, 15 years of age, they're coming to 20 years of age and they have been training with me for six years, but they weren't training in a, in a place where it's like, right, you got to do it. You got to make They were training in like fun, understanding, collecting the skills and um, breaking it down into like jigsaw pieces rather than like, it's, you've got to be bleeding sweat. You've got to, you know, this kind of stuff. Because, it's very, very easy to lose the love when it gets really, really competitive. And if you see the fighters that, that are really good fighters, they they love it. They still love it. Like you, you see Connor training and, and, and like like some people will get ha- a half of the money, even let, a quarter of the money that Connor has, and they will stop, you know? So the, what, what gets us there and, and, and like someone like Connor, what it keeps us there, it keeps us moving, it keeps us going. So, um, I feel if you maybe you open a, a professional gym in a way, you can end up with a lot of Madonnas, you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of a lot of people drinking from the same well and then when it comes to being a professional fire, you're trying to provide for your family. It's not an easy um place to to withdraw basically um sponsors and, and fights and, and, and winning them fights and getting your both your purses and then then invest in that, all of that. So what I try to do here is is trying to teach how to make it, how it actually can work for you. So you could be a fighter in the gym um, and then you could be interested in coaching and I'll tell you to be to make sure that you're maybe doing your coaching search now and focusing a little bit on coaching and, and understanding that you, um, I, I don't want my guys to just be living week to week on basically privates and stuff like that where they don't know what's coming down the hill. So um, we're trying to set some stuff up with the colleges basically here. We're very close to there's a talent university across the road and, and some of the national schools and um, creating basically projects in them schools where um, it's, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm already so busy with what I do in the council and stuff. We're just creating some of these projects and, and bringing some of the guys with me and then shadowing me and then basically be able to kind of create their own um, path or understanding. And the most important part, giving back, giving back to the sport of it all. So, so I think community gyms, um, and the, that sense of understanding, like someone comes to my desk and, and, I, and I know their name and, you know, we know each other, you know, see, that's important rather than it just being a kind of like, um, I don't know, a, a ladder that everybody's trying to get to because not everyone's the same and not everyone wants to, to be in the UFC. Some people like coming into a, like a factory-based gym on a bleeding Friday and having a few spars, you know, <laughs> in a nice way and, and it's a way of exercising your demons and then you go to work and you make a lot of money on a Monday selling kitchens or something, you know? So <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh, right, let's back to Shauna for a second. I'm looking at her record here. Right? She made her professional debut in 2022 and she fought in the UFC in 2023. That must, as someone who, you know, is loves to build people up and build them up slowly, it was great. Obviously, she got the opportunity to go to the UFC, but I'm, was there any thought of like, this is a bit too quick? This is, and I know she's brilliantly talented and she'd won all her fights and everything like that. But was uh, to, to jump straight to the, the very top, as far as where we get that, anything else. What was your thought at that stage? Was there any thought to turning it down? At that time, basically, 
trying to find Sean um, uh, a fight, a 115 fight outside the UFC or outside any of the promotions that these fighters were signed to because at 115, people have to realise that if you're a 2-0, uh, um, you're a female fighter, you're 115, you're 2-0, 3-0, there's a good chance you're now signed to a show like could be Aries, it could be Combat, it could be Invicta. Um, so to get single fights without having her to sign a contract for a different show was very hard, you know what I mean? Um, and then the idea of, say, uh, the Invicta show, Invicta's a great show, uh, Shannon's a really good person to deal with and stuff like that. And, um, I'd been there 10 years ago myself with Ashlyn Daly. So it was kind of like a, a, that, that that kind of um, linking Sean in that she had two fights there. But if Shauna hadn't made the, the, the move to the UFC, she probably wouldn't have fought since her, her last fight in Invictus. So think of it. Um, I think Invicta have a show in Boston now. Yeah. Uh, basically, Danny Nealon's uh, defending the title there. It, it, it would not make sense for Shauna to be to be hanging on that long for a fight. So uh, she had a fight in between that and then she's, she's waiting on her next uh, assignment from the UFC. Um, but you have to think of it like that as well, you know? So um, her going into the UFC, I think there's, there's, there's girls in there that she, she had a fairly close fight and it's not easy getting over that, uh, that, that first fight. You can see it. The amount of kind of uh, UFC for Irish UFC fighters that tried to get over that wall the last little while and, and incredible talented guys as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, and just have not been able to get get that fourth one in. But but they're in there now, and that's the way to do it. You know. So uh, yeah, and the UFC come back to Dublin, it will be a crime to not have Sean Bannon on that fight and someone you know and and representing. She's the second ever Irish female fighter to fight in the UFC. Um, what a banner that is! Like, think about the amount of people that live here in Ireland, and of all of the things that people have done in martial arts and MMA and stuff like that. She is the second person to be walking down a path. Basically, Ashlyn Daly being the first to to the biggest show, which is the UFC. Which to me, when someone puts the gloves on, that's what they want to fight for. They want to fight in the in the UFC, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I think it, it, the timing was right. You know, she had to go for it, and and it wasn't it. It wasn't a one-way fight in the Bruno Brazil fight, you know. It, um, John had some some good moments there, you know what I mean? And um, I don't know, on different days, different rounds go different way. Um, she actually landed 50 more strikes than Bruno in the whole fight, in a way. So, uh, now I'm not saying that she won the fight clearly, and let's, let's knock them out or choke them. So, we're just secure, you know, so we're not having that argument. But uh, I think she, she belongs there. It was an interesting fight because I think, as someone who's watched all of Shauna's fights, and... You know, Victor going into the fight, it was, it was, I don't know, it was a bit of octagon jitters or whatever it would be, but she got better and better and better throughout the fight. And it feels like if she'd fought the third round three times, she would have won the fight. Now, that's very easy to say and a very unfair. It's, it's obviously a very biased Irish point to look at it from. And Bruno Brazil had a great performance and she deserved to win it. But that must give you heart for the next time, right? To, to be able to show that to Sean and go, here, look, if you do this, we forget about the jitters now. We won't have them anymore for the next time you come in. You're well able to get there. And there's been a lot of negativity around Irish MMA recently because of the results. And I like, as you said, there's only two women who've ever done it. There isn't many men who've ever done it either. Let's let's be honest, there's only a handful ever. And people are crying because we're not getting the results. But the fact just to be there and then we kick on from this is, is the main thing. But on Shauna specifically as you look forward with her, you must take a little bit of heart from what happened in this, as you said, the, a, a closer fight maybe than, than people remember, but also 
everyone says it. That first UFC fight, that first UFC round is just so tough. And look, that's that's the reason why she lost the fight because of the first UFC round. Is it re- that that first uh, that first round of first fight? You're looking down, like you see him. Like I'm usually sitting up at home watching Bruce Buffer walk into the. Yeah, I understand. I absolutely understand. Um, in, in my own fight, we uh, first ever fight. I still remember that feeling. I remember going. I'm going for this. I do not care if I end up unconscious, choked out, and and I kind of carried that with me in there, and, and I feel it, it helped me, and I kind of shook my opponent a little bit. And my opponent on that day was decent too, and I think he just never got going. Um, so what I think happens here, and it's not just Sean specific here, basically, but there's times I've done this a lot of times when I've been coaching, and I've said to somebody, "Listen," and they mightn't even be down two rounds; they might be down, it might be close one one in a way, and I would say to them, "Listen." You need to win this round. If we haven't. We don't win the fight if we don't win this round. And it's like they put down the bags of pressure of like, oh my god, like I'm losing, and it means the idea of like that's that's already like it's an it's a reality to them there. And they go out and have the best ever round, and they go and perform. And we had a guy one time. We lost two rounds. Um, Marix's name is, and he lost um, the first two minutes of the thing. And then he just turns on basically in his last minute and goes and armbars the guy in the last second, last 10 seconds or something. And it's kind of an example I use sometimes to the guys of like, just put the bags down. Like, winning and losing has nothing to do with fighting. The fighting part is is separate to what the results are going to be. We've seen some terrible results, um, even though someone has, has fought really well and they didn't win or they lost or whatever, but... The performance and going out there, that's why I think fighters should be concentrating on performing and and doing your thing. And and everybody is dangerous. Everybody at this level is going to come across and, and try and hit you. And, and it's when the, the, the dip happens, basically, that, that that the true fighting comes true, you know? So, um, yeah, and, and on the day, Bruno was big on the day. I didn't expect Bruno to be that big. I don't know how she got big on the day, but she was big on the day, you know? Not that that came into the, into the thing of the fight, but... Um, Definitely landing shots, and as time goes on in the rounds, it's um, it, it has its effect, you know. But uh, yeah, so psychological. It's a mad, it's a mad game. Sean, you mentioned her background, and obviously coming from that kickboxing, taekwondo type of background. When you get a fighter like that who has that background, is it almost tougher than having someone who has a blank canvas to actually make them an MMA fighter? Or obviously, you know, maybe in the striking realm it isn't, but maybe in the jiu-jitsu and the wrestling realm it is. But what is the kind of the process from getting a fighter like that who's obviously talented in one discipline to have them in the UFC? Now, that's a, a long-winded answer there that could take two hours, but uh, maybe have the cliff notes, maybe. <laughs> I'll shorten it down for you. Um, it's called Zero Point of Knowledge, basically. A coach that um, and a trained with uh, pre-heat, he, he doesn't do MMA, but just jiu-jitsu, but the idea of it is zero point of knowledge. So if somebody comes in here, 16 years of age, I've never trained before, they're eglatic, um, they probably... I don't know, done some maybe football or hurling or, or Gaelic football or something. And, and they just listen to me. They don't really have an opinion, basically, on what it is. Now, and I don't want to sound like that people shouldn't have an opinion. Everyone should absolutely have an opinion. But the knowledge base is basically MMA should be the opinion, you know. Like, so in a little few years, if this 16-year-old comes back to me at 20 and goes, I was looking at this guy and he does it this way. And, and I'm like, yeah. That, that's good. Do that. You know, it's it, it's it's kind of coming from a place of understanding. Um, regarding other sports and merging them in MMA, just from what we've seen over the years and stuff like that, is that not everything just fits. Everything needs to be kind of like chipped and chopped and tailor made a little bit. You know, so boxing doesn't just transfer straight into MMA and 
um, jiu-jitsu doesn't just transfer straight into MMA. You can't sit up and guard in MMA and play like posture in uh, MMA. You've got to adapt the chest to chest, elbows on the inside kind of position. Um, kickboxing, you, you're blitz. You, although you can blitz, like say, Shauna has a really good blitz and really extensive uh, kickboxing um, record. When she came here the first time, she would blitz and then be taken down. Or blitz and then be taken down. And I remember, shit, what's happening? You know, and to watch her coming through this and all um, was was incredible, you know, because it's, it's very easy, it's very hard to put a white belt on basically after being at the top of your sport, you know. So uh, it can be a little bit tricky, you know. Um, I think wrestling is probably the biggest transfer that transfers straight to MMA. Um, but then you start adding in like guillotine chokes and stuff like that and then <laughs> you've got to shave wrestling then because... Or I say, if you can't take a wrestler down, let him take you down and sweep him. <laughs> That's kind of, it's a jiu-jitsu wrestling, um, but in that way. But yeah, I find if you're wrestling more high-level uh, wrestling guys, they take you down, but it, they're very. You can choke them and catch them in guillotines and stuff like that. And um, we had we had a Mongolia here that was on the, the Moldovan wrestling team, basically, and solid brick wall he was. And uh, yeah, just, he'd fly you through the air, but. It would be guillotined by the time we got to the end, you know. So, so it does not transfer. Um, so zero point of knowledge for people who don't have um a big extensive martial arts background, and then the idea of understanding and debating and discussing with an athlete who has, and then coming to a reasoning why we do it this way, why we do it that way, and then and then some people. They just don't want to listen to you. You're here to hold the water. <laughs> it's like, and I say it to these guys, I'm not that guy. Yeah. So if you need someone to hold your water, bring your brother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, the, uh, last couple of questions, but I really appreciate the time. You, you see it with Shana. Like you see that she has, she's become a martial artist. Like if you didn't know she had the, the, the background and you watched a couple of, of her Invicta fights, you might know she has a bit of a striking background the way she moves, but she's looked good on the ground. You know, she's got people to the ground and dominated there herself. So she's a well-rounded martial artist uh, as well. The, the last thing I really want to ask you, and you've kind of said it already in terms of you have to kind of wait for the UFC, but ideally for you, when would you like to see Shauna back there? Is there any talk of when she might be back in there? Um, well, there's a December show. I think that's in Vegas. Um, well, Vegas is kind of like the 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 the, the west side. Am I right saying the west side? Basically, uh, 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 the I always get it mixed up. Well, Vegas is not even California. And all think of two yeah, back yeah, and all California West yeah. Side. It's the West Side. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it it's the West Side, basically. Where I'd kind of prefer that to be on the East Side. I know that sounds thing, but it's 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 nearly the same amount to fly from from Ireland to, to to Vegas. You know, Vegas is a little bit different. It's a little bit dry and stuff like that. So now she would settle in there, no problem, and, and fight there. But um, how would Dublin sound? Dublin, <laughs> Dublin would be nice. Now it, it would be nice to know that, like, we're coming in Dublin. It's March. It's on. That's it. And I'm pretty sure Sean would like that as well. So so we're waiting to see the calendar and and, and see what kind of basically the 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 geography of, of where they're going to be and stuff like that and what makes sense so uh, and until then Sean is just staying sharp or working on a little bit of um, a little bit of stuff over the last little while you know I mean she's been away she's been doing some stuff in Thailand as well and um, yeah she, and I think this little break is good for her as well because she's been on for so long and she's so hard to turn off and just be like just sit down and have a seat and have a rest for about so it's great to see that she's having a little bit of downtime this time but she's still training really really hard and um, she doesn't obviously have an opponent in the on the, on the, in the in the mines just yet. So uh, yeah, so it's good to get that time as well. So um, 
Now, what did he say? Prepare when, when you're in terms of peace and in terms of, or what's it? In terms of peace, you prepare for war and in war, you prepare for peace or whatever it is. So um, that's kind of where we're at now. Lovely. I, I can't wait for it. And I think, look, uh, someone, had, uh, I think it was Paul Hughes I was talking to last week and he said, few people lost recently, the Irish fighters, but what's it going to be like when they all get to Dublin and win? It's going to quickly turn around. So I think that could be the case for Sean and, and uh, Kiefer and a few more of them as well who go in there. And I think we'd all be delighted to to see that. Paddy, thank you very much for your time. People out there, if you're watching this, you want to check out the Octagon Challenge. It's on over on YouTube. It's all free on YouTube. So check it out over there. Paddy's one of the coaches on that. And a bit of, a bit of light relief as well, saying, thank God I'm not in this house. <laughs> and everything. Absolutely brilliant. I love, I love it. <laughs> I just want to say a quick thank you to, to, to Pavel and Andre and Brian Lacey and, and the guys over there and all the Irish lads on the Irish team and, and obviously Shem uh, the, the, the assistant coach with me there and stuff like that and um, yeah that, you did incredible work over there and you should be so proud of how you came across um, representing the flag and it was it was an absolute honour to lead you guys um, behind that flag you know and like, the camaraderie you think you see it just seeps through the screen you know and, uh, and that was real that wasn't made, you know what I mean? That was just created. So get comfortable, settle in, and just take over. <laughs> Paddy, thanks very much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean.